thing about finances because it's kind of groundbreaking. I don't know if you'll see it that way or not, but uh, I believe I've tapped into something that's going to help us all. So if you would, uh, this evening, uh, turning your Bible to the book of Matthew, chapter 6. We are ministering uh, for the fifth time on the design of Bible supply. Now, there's a hundred things you could call it, but they let me name this one, so that's what I called it. The design of Bible supply. And we are all about prosperity. We're all about supply being funded. We know that is the will of God, but sometimes it seems like we don't really know how it works. And more than that, we don't really know how to measure it. But in Matthew chapter 6, let's start there and get a little foundation, a little more foundation. Uh, uh, verse 11, the Lord is praying and he says, let's read it together. Ready, read. Give us this day our daily bread. Okay, that was pretty, that's pretty cool. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Well, that's got to do with being supplied. That's uh, the, the literal in the, in the Greek means continual bread. Give us this day our continual bread. In the Passion, oh, I didn't write down the Passion. Let's just, let's go to verse 19. I did write it down there. He said uh, in this same discourse, after he got through with the, the, the prayer, he said, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. And I think we looked at this, but in the Passion Version it says, Don't keep hoarding for yourselves earthly treasures that can be stolen by thieves. Hoarding. Say that with me. Hoarding. It's kind of a ugly word. There's all sorts of ancient meanings for it. But I looked it up and it means, uh, really, this is a secular dictionary, but it means a supply or accumulation that is hidden and carefully guarded for preservation or for future use, including food, cash, and common, common items. A supply or accumulation that's hidden and carefully guarded for preservation or future use, including food, cash, and common items. It, it's a pattern of behavior reacting to a possible future difficult time. Did y'all get that? It's a pattern of behavior reacting to a possible future difficult time by holding on to items that might be needed to survive. So we could say it's fear-oriented, couldn't we? We're afraid of the future. And we might say of people that hoard that they would be saying there might not be any more where that came from. <laughs> where we're saying there's plenty more, they may be saying there isn't any more where that came from. So we're going to hold on to newspapers and magazines and uh, butter tubs. I had a grandmother, and if you opened a certain cabinet in her country home, it was yellow butter tubs. I mean, they were stacked up because someday, some way, we are going to need a butter tub, and grandmother's going to have us supplied. Hallelujah. Yeah. Uh, in verse 24, let's skip all the way to there. We've already talked about this, these things. The Lord Jesus then, in this same discourse about give us our, this day our daily bread and don't hoard, he said, imagine this, verse 24, no man can serve two masters. So, oh, we're getting a context here. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Say it with me. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Now, first person. I cannot serve God and mammon. Uh, the Amplified says, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will stand by and be devoted to the one and despise and be against the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, which is deceitful riches, money, possessions, or whatever someone trusts in. So I wrote down that Mammon must be a master that demands to be served. You go, it's just money. There's something attached to money 
that requires mastery from us. It must be served. So it, obviously there's a motive to it. We want it. Maybe beyond even what we would need, but we want it for other reasons. We would like to be like the hoarding thing. We're stacking it up for another day. There's plenty of it today. Let's get a whole bunch of them today. And that way, if we ever run short, we'll, we'll have some. The Passion Version, excuse me, not, uh, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. Verse 25, let's just read that and then we'll go to that. Therefore, I say to you, take no thought. The word there is no anxious thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, and yet for your body for what ye shall put on. The Lord Jesus said, take no thought. And he wasn't talking about your, your, your shirt and your britches and your shoes. He's talking about life, wasn't he? Everything that goes along with that. He said, take no anxious thought, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life, and that's how we know what he was talking about, more than meat and the body than raiment. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, yet... So all the things that we do, he said, they don't do any of them. Yet your heavenly father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit into his stature? So he injects the futility of anxious thought. And we say, yeah, who, who could do that? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. So the Lord's not real high on fashion, is he? You know, put your britches on, get your shoes on, but it doesn't really matter if, you, if your shirt's got checks and your bottom's got plaids. Just get out the door. Hallelujah. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast in the oven, Shall not he much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? So anyone that takes thought to these things, takes anxious thought, he said, if you're serving the master of mammon and taking anxious thought, that you have little faith. Did you note that? He said, oh, Lord, no, I, faith is something you use when you're in trouble and you got to uh, speak to the mountain. He said, no, just... Just life, if you, if you think about it anxiously, you're out of faith. Well, I want to be in faith. I, I want to invest my faith in things that he says, well done. Therefore, take no thought, saying, saying, take no thought that you say, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewith shall, shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. That's very comforting. That he knows and he, he, he wrote it down. He mentioned it. He said, I just want you to know, I know you have need of everything the world has. It's not like, well, the world has these things, but we're, we're sacred. We don't need those things. Sure we do. We, when, we, when you put uh, Cheerios in your bowl, we need that, that cool white milk. To pour over him. Hallelujah. And he knows that. So the remedy to that in verse 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness or his way of doing business. And all these things, which things? The things that the Gentiles seek shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. Now here's where we're going. Take no thought therefore. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. Why? Why, Lord, should we take no thought for the morrow? For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. And here it is. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Let's see what the King James is really saying there. There's lots going on there. Um, the Passion Version in verse 3 says, So above all, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from him, here it is, then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. Could we have a better amen? amen. Now that's what the Lord Jesus said. If you'll look in your little Bible, it'll, if, you, if there's any red in there, that's where it would be. He said, if you'll seek first the kingdom of God, 
No anxious thoughts. You're thinking about the kingdom, so you've driven out anxious thoughts because you're thinking about him. And when you're thinking about him, we never think about him being a God of lack or little or insecurity or he doesn't always come through or we just don't know about him. When we think on him, when we take thought for him, we're always thinking everything's just right. So he said uh, uh, in, in verse 33 in the Passion, uh, so above all, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that precedes from him. Then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. So in that, they categorize it, said less important. Oh, well, that's a lot of people. That's all that's important. What they eat, what they drink and what they put on. That's their day. That's their life. Maybe not just those things, but the things that are associated with with living. It's their whole day. So we like to say around here that for those people, it takes all of their life to live their life. There's nothing left over. They're sucked dry. They're absolutely empty because they've spent all day living their life. Nothing left over. It took all of it to live it because there's so much of that to, to demand of them and there's so little resource to go past that. Now, verse 34 is where I'm interested about discovering the plan of God for finances, the design. And in the Passion, he says, refuse to worry about tomorrow. Wow. If you couldn't worry about tomorrow, what would you worry about? Because the day goes so fast, you hardly have anything to think about today. It's already in progress. It, it is what it is. So we all have taken up tomorrow and the next day. And he said, refuse to worry about tomorrow, but deal with each challenge that comes your way. Listen, listen. One day at a time. Tomorrow will take care of itself. OK, let's put that in context with some other things, because out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word is established uh, in. Uh, in the, in the 20th century version, it says every day has trouble enough of its own. Well, that's a big amen, isn't it? The basic version says take the trouble out of the day as it comes. The Knox says for today, today's troubles are enough. The Phillips says one day's trouble is enough for one day. Now, this is what the Lord Jesus is saying. He's Mr. Faith. He's not saying, oh, you know, it's, it's uh, lots of trouble. Y'all bear down. It, it, it looks tough. It looks like there's more there than you can handle. This was what he said. So we've got to figure out what he would say when he's addressing that every day has its own trouble and that we shouldn't touch another day while this day is going. The, uh, the Lamsa says, give us bread for our needs from day to day. And that's, that's uh, kind of where I want to go, uh, that we're not, we said it last week, we're not in the world system. That's why we're looking at this scripture. We're not in the world system. All these things shall be added to you. If you'll, if you'll do it different than the world, I've got another system. I've got another way of prospering you. And it's not the world system. So, family, if there's anything we need to know is that there's a plan B and it's not the world. But we're in the world. We're not of it, but we're certainly in it. And everything in our lives then is based on a lot of what you eat, what you drink, what you put on. The, the things that the Gentiles need, we're involved with it. We're pumping gas. We're buying lettuce. We're, we're sending off for a new pillowcase or whatever, you know, that life takes. We're, we're not exempt. We don't have spiritual needs that, uh, that the world doesn't need. We're living exactly like they're living in the need realm. He just said there's a different way to look. Remember when he said, you cannot serve God and the world system. So there's the choice. We have to choose. He says it'll be better. He said you'll have no anxious thought. Um, I wrote down the world system from my promotion seminar that we always said the world system is the system of competition and comparison. And so one of their little idioms is that says, if you can, 
can all you get. Uh, excuse me, if you can, get all you can, can all you get, and then sit on the can. It's kind of a cutesy little thing there. Uh, the early bird gets the worm. That is a worldly system. Get your little hide up and get out there because there's just so much and there's not enough to go around. The best stuff is for the guy that gets out there early. It's dog eat dog. Have you ever heard that term, dog eat dog? It's, there's competition. It's uh, everything's fair in love and war. Uh, one more I said, if you're, if you're a day late, you're a dollar short. That's an old one, but uh, it's still applicable that if you're not out there getting your stuff, somebody else is and you won't have enough. So the whole curse that's in the world, that we're, we're in the world, but we're not under the curse if we choose to live above the curse. We are in the curse if we just sit here and say, well, I'm born again. The curse doesn't touch me. Sure it does. But you have to exempt yourself out with faith. Right? Well, you, just because just you're a Christian doesn't exempt you. So uh, Proverbs 10.22 says, the blessing of the Lord... What does it say? Maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow to it. So there's the contrast of being rich, maketh rich, the blessing of the Lord maketh rich. Well, isn't that what he was saying in, in uh, Matthew? He said, uh, uh, you cannot serve God and mammon. Well, what's the system of God? He said, the blessing, the blessing, the blessing maketh rich. But the good part is it's not like the penalty or the price of the world. He addeth no sorrow to it. So it's like it's easy. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. He maketh rich. The blessing. So we've got to get a hold of the blessing because it maketh rich. All these things shall be added unto you, he said. It's real powerful. Uh, uh, so we can't strive for riches. It's unbiblical for you and I. I wouldn't say it's sin. I don't know where that would be the line, but it's not biblical. It's not what we're supposed to do to chase, to strive, to go after riches. Now, you heard it here. It's not biblical. It's not God's plan to go after riches ever. Now, you can do it, but you're doing it like the world because the world is absolutely going after riches. And, and they're saying giddy up every day. And, uh, but he said, don't do it. So there must be another plan because it says in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that you through his poverty might be made rich. So he wants us to have stuff to be funded, to be supplied, but we're not supposed to go after it. So we need to unravel the biblical plan for supply, for Bible supply. Last week, we won't go there, but... Uh, in Exodus chapter 16, we looked at manna. Like I said, we can't go there, but the measure of what God told them through Moses, he said, gather it up every day. And how much you gathered was every man according to his eating. Remember that? So if, if you're if you're 300 pound Bubba or if you're if you're uh, 78 pound Penelope, go out there and get what you need for that day what you need. There's enough for everybody to get what they need. It's not like everybody has to get a half a cup or a cup. It's whatever you need that will be there. So that's an Old Testament uh, uh, promise. And then uh, it says in verse 18 of chapter 16, he that gathered much had nothing over and he that gathered little had no lack. They gathered every man according to his eating. So there's a pattern there. Now, that's Old Testament. We're not under the Old Testament. But many times he takes the things that are, that are biblical, that are the law, not, not the law that we keep, but the, the spiritual law, and he moves it into another form in the New Testament. They worshiped in the Old Testament, but it changed form. They that worship, uh, finish it for me. Well, they that worship God must worship. Oh, there's another part in there. Not this mountain or that mountain, but they that worship God must worship in spirit and in truth. So we're going to keep. And there's, a, there's no more dietary law. 
Back then, you couldn't eat bat, and you couldn't eat, you know, uh, pork for sure. But uh, now, now it changed. Um, there's a lot of things that evolve. Well, one of the things that evolves is the law of the first, or the law of the Sabbath, or that. And here, here it is. He, whatever the form, whatever the covenant, the law was there to make sure that we knew that everything good came from God. You go, well, just tell us one time and then let us go. We don't work that way. We, we, have to, we have to have it acted out in front of us and we have to put ourselves into it lest we stray. That's why we have to read this every day. I read that thing three times. I don't need to read it anymore. Sure you do, because it gets away. Y'all know it gets away. So we, we are always changing our mind and meditating from the word of God. So uh, uh, we said last week that, it, that an adequate supply came in six days. And on the sixth day, they would gather for the next day and there would be plenty there. It would come different on the sixth day and they could gather it on the sixth day and have twice as much and store it over and it would last. And if you gathered up too much during the week, because uh, you didn't want to go out on Tuesday, you, so you gathered you up a double hunk on Monday, it would stink. Y'all remember that? We talked about that. So the system is rigged in God's favor to nobody could game the system. And I can tell you right now, no one's gaming the system in, in this kingdom. Not with their giving. Some people are trying to game the system with God. They're trying to give and get God's favor and everything. And uh, giving is not for him. It's for us. <laughs> So, uh, you know, we're, we're, Lord, look at what I'm doing here. I'm big, big bucks here going in. You know, I tell the preacher to mention that somebody gave a big one this morning. His name is, starts with a C and ends with an S. Charles is what I'm thinking, you know, or whatever. You can't game the system. It's, it's ironclad because the heart's involved. And when you got your heart, you got faith. And where you, you, anyway. So, uh. The Lord wants everything in his system to prosper, old and new. It's, it's so, it's always so that we, that we know that every good thing comes from him. So it's always attached to him. It's not mechanical. Bless God, I don't even know what God is, but I'm bringing my tithe in and I'm going to whatever. There's a certain amount of power to that, but you can't get very far without your heart in there. And so let me go to another scripture. I'll just read this one in Exodus 31. Remember this? No, well, we don't remember this. Six days may work be done, but in the seventh is the Sabbath of rest, holy to the Lord. So he says there that not only do you not gather manna on the seventh day, you don't even work on the seventh day. Well, why is God mad at the seventh day? Well, he's not, but he wants us to know that every good thing comes from him. And so he sets every seventh day apart where we have just as much not working on the seventh day as those boys over there that are out there plowing on Sunday or the Sabbath or whatever, that they cannot beat the system. You go, well, why does he do that? Because he wants us to remember everything comes down from God. Then in Leviticus chapter 25... I just got, I'm just full of these things tonight. Verse four, it says, for six days, for six years, sow your fields and for six years, prune your vineyards and gather their crops. But in the seventh year, the land is to have a Sabbath of rest, a Sabbath to the Lord. So they had that Sabbath, that, uh, that rest thing every seven years. And then on the seventh, seventh year, 49, the next year they would have a, a jubilee year, a 50th year, where you actually set it apart two years in a row, and you go, well, that, that's hard on business. The Lord just started pouring it out. The blessing of the Lord maketh rich, and he would just bless it so much before you got to that year of setting it out. Everybody knew that his plan worked, that you couldn't beat the system. You, you'd go out there and bust it for, for the seventh year or the 50th year, but you wouldn't have not one bit more than the boy that sat over there and said, we will bless the Lord on the seventh year. So that's a pattern. That's not what we're going to do. That's not what we, we do these days, but that's the pattern there. Uh, every good thing has to be demonstrated that it came from him. 
He's real jealous. He does not like us saying, I did that. Read Deuteronomy chapter 8 and you'll find out. said, don't say it's me and my power that got this wealth. He doesn't like that. He said, that won't work. That won't go very far. So in 2 Corinthians, let's slip over there and see where this is in the New Testament. You know, I've been four weeks getting to this little chapter here. <laughs> chapter 8. You're going to like it. You're not, there's none of this saying, oh, no, he's going to shut us down and say we can't but have so much. I'm going to tell you why some people can only have so much and how you can have all you can bear, all you can stand, all you can carry. Chapter 8 of 2 Corinthians, it says in verse 13, uh, I mean not that other men be eased and ye be burdened. Well, let's go up to verse 12 first. For if there be a first a willing mind... It is accepted. The offering is accepted according to that a man hath and not according to that he hath not. So we talked about that last week. We won't do that again. But he said, for I mean not that other men be eased and ye be burdened, but by an equality that now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want, that their abundance also may be a supply for your want, that there may be equality. Let's see where we're going here. Verse 15. For it is written, here it is, referring to the Old Testament. So when it refers to the Old Testament, as it is written, you can look it up. That's where it is. It's in Exodus. He that hath gathered much had nothing over, and he that had gathered little had no lack. When, it, when he brings it from the old into the new, it means it's a law, not, not a scribes and Pharisee law, but a law of like gravity. It's a law that pervades that it's in the system of the kingdom, he said, this is how it works. You can get around the law and work seven days a week. You can get around the law and, and serve God and mammon the best you can, but it won't profit you. You will not beat the system of God because he said, if you seek first the kingdom of God, his system, all these things will just be added versus the, the Gentiles going out and busting it. Y'all know what I mean when I say busting it. They're just, that's all they do is, is go out there because they, so faith is required. Faith is necessary. You got to, you got to have a Lord in this. You got to have a, a master in this that says, I trust you. I'm bought with a price. I'm trusting you with my eternal salvation. I sure going to trust you with eating. And he says, ah, you can trust me, but you're going to have to. So we trust him little by little. We give him a little and see how that goes. And it goes, and so we say, well, let's, let's, and finally, at one fine day, we buy in. We buy in, say, this stuff is, it's, it's gold. I'm gonna, I'm gonna buy in. Some people never buy in. They're carnal. You cannot serve God and mammon, and they just can't break loose of the God of mammon. They just, the, the system of the economics of this world is the most powerful thing that the devil has in this world. He wants to control the money. And he's got lots of people that'll help him. And the, the, the mark of the covenant, oh, get this, the mark of the old and the new covenant is wealth. Actually is supply. Funded every day. And we talked about Mercedes, how they have a system where their stuff comes in every day that they need. They don't they don't warehouse everything like they used to, have a 60-day chair supply and 60 days of steering wheels and 60 days of axles. They just have trucks bring it in. I don't know exactly how it works, but it's something like that. Well, that's the way the Lord wants you and I, so that we don't have to stack it up where rust and moth doth corrupt and thieves break into steel. What, what does that mean? It means you're thinking about the raw rust and the moth and the thieves and you're thinking about it and it's almost better not to have it than to have it and have to think about what might be happening to it. He said, that's not my system. Well, Lord, what if it doesn't come in? What if we trust you and only have for today and tomorrow it doesn't show up? Well, that's, that's always the element of faith. That's always how it's going to be, is that we trust him. And the children of Israel, 
You know, they, they didn't trust him at first. They were, it says in there that some of them were gathering up tomorrows because they didn't trust God to bring the man of the next day. So they'd gather up and then they'd look in the pot the next morning and it'd be wormy. So it, they couldn't beat the system. So they had to go out just like everybody else and say, well, golly, doggone. If it's not here, just like he said it would be. We'll see, though, on Wednesdays, we, th we think he can't handle it. And it'd be there on Wednesdays and Thursdays and every day. So that was a demonstration. That was the type in the shadow of him showing or demoing how he wants us in the New Testament to think. He does not. Now, I, I looked it up and there's more scriptures about money. It's close between one and two, but there's more scriptures about money, how to handle money and wealth and giving and all those things than any other subject in the Bible. So, you know, the devil really would like to take advantage of this because he, the love of money is the epitome of the devil, of, the, of Satan, Satan. He's like, it's at the root of all evil, all evil, all evil, all devil, all evil, all anti-God is the love of money. So the devil's got that. He's got worship. He wants to pervert worship. And he wants to pervert money. He wants to be the God of both. And so, it doesn't, but it doesn't take much to beat the system for us to come out of that system. But it does require faith. So we can't, we can't, change, we can't chase wealth. Uh, let me see where I am here. Just a moment. I'm, I'm all over the place. Uh, verse, did we read verse 13? Yes, 14 and 15. Yes. So the point being there is that stewards, listen, listen, a steward, not an owner, but a steward handles finances or anything for someone else. That's a steward. If you get a steward, you tell them clean out your car, you tell them to vacuum the house, and, and when you come back, it's not their house because they cleaned it, but, but they're a steward. Um, stewards, then, if you and I are stewards, what do we do? A steward takes what he needs. So if you have a housekeeper, or if you have a chauffeur, or you have a whatever you have, you give them what they need, and the kingdom is advanced. Now, the owner can take all he wants. It's his kingdom. But a steward is not so. And we've kind of got this off a little bit, I think. Could be, not everybody, but some people would say, this is mine. I can do with it what I want. But that's not what a steward is. And we are bought with a price and we're not our own. And we have to always keep that in mind. We are bought with a price. And we don't own anything. Not even our own reputation. So if we get our feelings hurt in church, then you're taking on something that's not yours. You don't have any right to be offended because you're bought with a price. You don't own a reputation. You, your reputation, if it wasn't for what the Lord gave us, would be you are a slave. And you have no rights. You have no reputation. You have no standing. So the only standing we have is the one he gave us. And if someone takes a shot at that, who cares? Because we're bought with a price. So the same thing with our stewardship. It's not ours. But if it's his and he's got it banked up and he says he does, the Lord says he does, the cattle, silver and gold are his and the cattle on a thousand hills. He says he's funded. He says he's, he's banked gold, and, gold roads in heaven and, you know, all that sort of stuff. He, he says he's banked. So my favorite word, I've had this word now for about 30 years, is that I'm a glory distributor. That's my job. Not my glory, but I'm a glory distributor. Wherever I go, my words, my countenance, my attitude, my faith, my money, everything. I'm a glory distributor. I, I take what's his as a steward and I distribute it with my, with my life. That's all I have is my life. That's, that's the sum of it. I don't have anything that you can say, this is mine. It's down there at the bank. Well, the bank burned down. The bank went under. The bank stole it. What, the, you don't have anything. So all we have is our life. 
And so we're stewards over that. And I say, you can say, I'm a glory distributor. That's my life. That's what I do. So 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Oh, you know that. Who changed that clock, by the way? They went the wrong way. <laughs> well, maybe they didn't, just didn't go far enough. Chapter 9, um, verse 6. Let's, let's get this. Let me, let me run this thing out tonight. Verse 6 says, But this I say, he that which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he that soweth bountifully shall also reap, shall reap also bountifully. So uh, the tithe makes us all equal. It's a, it's a percentage. You come in here, your daddy got rock, and you got uh, $10 million. You just got it yesterday. The Lord will whisper in your ear and say, it's going to take a million dollars to get you right this morning. But I've just got $150, he said. It'll, it's going to take every dime of $15 to get you right. You go, well, that's not fair. It's absolutely fair. It's the ultimate fair. The Lord is fair. Whatever you think, you're, you're wrong if you don't think that way. And in verse 7, it says, every man according as he purposeth in his heart. So there it is. There comes my heart. There comes my faith. Every man according as he purposes in his heart. So let him give. So it's not a mandate. It's a percentage on the tithe. But after that, I can come and go. And he said, you're good. As far as I'm concerned, well, even if you don't tithe, you're good. The Lord doesn't hold that against us. But that is his system like being bought with a price, being a steward, that is his system. But if you don't want to be in his system, you want to beat the system and hold on to your tithe, the Lord loves you just as much. He's not mad at anybody. But you won't be as happy because you'll struggle in a world system not exempting out or not opting out with the tithe. The tithe opts us out and puts us as a membership into his system. Now, once you get in the system, what you give is pretty much how it's going to go. But to, to opt out of the world, you've got to be willing. You've got to have a, a, a bought with a price thing that says 10% belongs to him. The truth is it all belongs to him. But somehow the Lord thinks, bless his faith-filled heart, he thinks that when you bring 10%, he thinks you brought it all. He thinks you, the deed to the house, the car title, that your diamonds, he thinks everything's in the plate when you bring in 10. He is a faith God, and, he see, and so that's how powerful the tithe is. I had to give $100. Well, the Lord saw you give way more than that if your heart's right. Now, we see in this scripture here uh, uh, where it says, uh, so let him give, verse 7, not grudgingly or of necessity. Well, there it is. It involves the heart. Someone trying to beat the system. And God's, Paul's saying, that's not, the, that's not the Lord condemning you. If you don't want to give, hold off. Step back, get in faith until you can. And if you never, that's fine with him. Uh, let him give, not of grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. He loves someone that's in agreement. That says, I want to be in God's system. I don't want to serve the master of mammon. I want to serve him. And you're like, we pay, we pay sales tax of 10% and never bat an eye. I mean, you did the first month. <laughs> but now we all just pay 10%. So, uh, I got to get through this. Praise God. Uh, verse, verse eight in the passion. Where am I? So there's no pressure to give. Say no pressure. There's no pressure to give. We're not. We're. It's not grudgingly or out of no. No pressure. Do what you want. According to your faith, let it be done unto you. Do what you want. Um, in verse 8, it says, and God is able. Oh, hallelujah. Now, here's, here's, the, here's the benefits or the payout. He describes it for anybody that opts into the system. Out of the world, mammon, into the kingdom of his righteousness. What is the benefit? 
God is able to make all grace abound towards you. That, here it is, this is, we got to know this, that ye always having all sufficiency. What's sufficiency? It's, it's, it's all the manna you can eat. It's all the crop you can grow. It's all the cattle you can herd. It's, it's, it's everything you need that's not hoarding. It's nothing for tomorrow. Manna is for today. Manna is just for today. And God's supply is just for today. I'm going to show you how that works, though. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you that ye having all sufficiency... Enough, that's the word, enough, all the enough, in all things, then he qualifies it, that you may abound to every good work. Every good work, every good work. So how much manna, he said, get according to what a man eateth. How much do you need? According to every good work. So some people don't need much. It's taken all their life to live their life. They're in the system, but it doesn't take much because they're just, they're just clothing and feeding and driving and whatever themselves. But like I told you the other day, for me personally, that's all I can speak to. It takes a lot. Now, that doesn't mean I've been having a lot. It just means that's this engine, there's a big V8 under the hood, so to speak, and they got that thing in the... GM where, you know, you can, you can, if you idle, six cylinders turns off and you're just sitting there working on two. Y'all know that? And it's, you know, it's some eco thing. But if you want to blow Leroy next to you off the road between here and the next light, you can, you can floor that thing and all eight of them will start humming like a sewing machine and you'll be there first. That's how it works in the kingdom. If you don't need much, you don't get much. All sufficiency in all things abounding to every good work. So for me, my vision, what I have for me, and it's that way for you because you're all in faith here. It takes way more than just groceries and a car, uh, a little car and a little, a little shed to get you down the road. Because I'm in the kingdom and I'm a steward well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee master administrator over much. So it's, you know, I got to have staff to take care of my kingdom business. I can't do it by myself. I'm, and I don't mean a literal staff, but I mean, I've enlarged my capacity. And we're not just living for us four and no more. We're living for the kingdom. We've got a vision of, of, uh, of uh, Lord, I, not just for me and my house and my little car, but we got to put the kingdom on the map. We, we, we got to fund this thing. And we can't do it on a, on a, uh, a Social Security payment. We got to have some funding. Well, I'll give you all sufficiency in all things so that you can abound to every good work. Every good work that I put in your heart that you've responded to. He said, let every man give as he purposeth in his heart. What is the purpose in your heart? It's the vision of the work that you have said I'll do, that I'll be, that I'll perform. Whatever you say you'll do, whatever you say you'll be. He said that's the purpose in your heart. Let that man give. I'm in the system, Lord. I'm in the heavenly system. My purpose is to serve you as a steward. So all this that I've got, the blessing of the Lord maketh rich. All this that I've got, I'm plowing it back in. I'm giving, I'm sowing, I'm serving. And doggone, if it doesn't just come back and my vision gets bigger. And then it gets bigger. And suddenly it's going to take more. It's going to take more. He said, I'm on the same system as the tithe. If you just got $100, it'll take 10. If you got 10 million, it'll take a million. Same system, whatever you want to do. I don't want to do nothing for God. I just want to go to heaven. That's what they say all the time. I just want to go to heaven. God's purpose for me as a Christian, 64% of them said, is to enjoy God's creation. Well, it doesn't take much to fund you then. 
But if you're going to support missionaries, if you're going to build an orphanage, if you're going to put a bus in the church and go pick up kids, you say, well, I, I don't want to buy a bus. Well, when you give the church or whatever you're in, they buy the bus. The vision is there, and you just get on board and said, well, all those people on that map, we, we need to fund them. I want to be a part of that. I don't want to actually go. I don't actually want to meet these people, but I want to send them. And so as you purpose it in your heart, so let him give. Not begrudgingly, not uh, out of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. I got more here, but uh, uh, verse 8 in the Passion says, Yes, God is more than ready to overwhelm you. I like that word. There's whelmed and there's overwhelmed. To overwhelm you with every form of grace. So how much is that, Lord, that you will have more than enough of everything? Er oh, this is powerful. Every moment and in every way. I'm going to read that to you again. You will have more than enough of everything every moment and in every way. Let's just say that together. Every moment and in every way. That's what you're funded. If you're a cheerful giver, now if you're gnawing on stuff and griping and carrying on in church and we still see you back there, just, it may not be every way. <laughs> it may not be every, he will make you overflow with abundance. Look, 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 in every good thing you do, he will make you overflow with abundance in every good thing you do. That is what the Bible says. And, you know, doggone, I've looked at it for a while, and it knows more than I do. And it's always right, and I'm far from always right. And I've road tested a bunch of stuff in here, and it always works. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to believe it. I'm on. I'm in. What's it? I'm easily persuaded to believe. Are you? Sure we are. We're always looking for a good deal. We're always looking for a, how it works that we can do, have, do and have more without doing and making more. So uh, uh, he will uh, give to us according as we abound to his work. I'm a steward. It's his stuff. I don't ever touch his stuff. We don't touch his stuff. We're not, we're not nine and a half percenters at the tithe table. You know what I mean? Well, I'm just tithing on the, on the net. Well, do what you want. Nobody's going to check you. There's no auditor here. There's nobody going to come around and say, well, we don't know about that. We don't care. Everybody's on their own. I can tell you the people that look at offerings paid know it. You go, well, I don't like them knowing my stuff. You could hardly imagine how little anyone cares about what you make. I mean, it's like, have you ever calculated what the, what, whatever the Joneses make or whatever? Not one time. So it's between you and the Lord. If you can beat him out of it, if you can get two, two omers of uh, manna in your tent and you can only eat one, well, and it works the next day, you can put you some cinnamon and sugar on it and just go for it. But nobody's ever been recorded that could get away with it, and we don't this day. So, uh, boy, I got so much here that's so good. But if your vision is little, it won't take much to supply you. But if you have a big vision, he's already said, I'll keep up with you. You'll ne Michael, you'll never have a bigger vision than what I can't fund. She said, so for a big boy, just get out there and get after it. And I'll, ha I'll have a check in the mail every single day that you go out there. It, it may be next week because there's a little faith lapse there, a little time lapse. But he said, I'm good for it. So what about people that are rich? Does he say don't be rich? Because it's, it's like just get what you need that day. Oh, the blessing of the Lord maketh rich. So he increases us and establishes us. So we have more than we need. For a little bit. But then he comes for it. But it's more blessed to give. And the Lord's in the blessing business. So we're not mad at him for saying, hey, big boy, I want that. I want that. I need that. 
Debbie always said, she, she said it, she said, the Lord always gets my birthday money. Her father would always give her a $100 bill, and it's like, I'm putting it in here, but I know it's sliding out. And sure enough, we'd go to a meeting, and here that $100 would come out. But she always had $100. Always. So you can't, you can't lose with the stuff we use. Amen. I like this scripture. It's the only one I'm going to read you tonight about that. It says, Proverbs 13, 22, it says, The wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. Well, you got to know you're just. It's not just that you're just. Lots of Christians have been justified by the blood of Jesus, but they have no idea who they are. I know who I am. Not guilty. You never did nothing. I'm not guilty. Because if I confess my sin, he's faithful and just to forgive me and to cleanse me as if I had never done it from all unrighteousness. I'm not guilty. I'm not ashamed. I'm not condemned. It's as if I never sinned. So I can I stand up to the Lord and say, we're going to do business. It's your stuff. I'm the steward. You need me. I can't do a thing without you. Oh, we'll just quit right there. And I won't go back to it. Oh, I get to do the offering twice a month. I will go back to it. Hallelujah. Isn't Jesus wonderful? I mean, it's just like no matter which way you turn, he's already got a path of goodness established. No matter how you mess up and just say, oh, I failed him. I didn't do right. I messed up and everything. He's just like, pay no attention to that. I know everybody wants to, you know, whoop on us when we mess up and condemn us and say, you need to pay a price for what you did. It was bad. I know everybody wants to do that, but the Lord doesn't. Don't you know it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance? So when people do bad, when we do bad, I should say, he just starts looking for a way to bless us back. Bless us back. So that we can't say, oh, I deserve this. Oh, this thing's bad. Nope, he just blesses us back. And it's like we get to thinking, maybe I didn't sin. Oh, yeah, you sinned. You messed up. But it's his goodness that just says, let's not think about that. So we get the blood of Jesus on us and we just walk it out. And then the blessing of the Lord makes us rich. Makes us rich. You want to be rich? Get something going in God. How do you get that? You purpose in your heart. Just purpose in your heart. It's like abundant giving. That's a purpose in your heart. You've got to purpose it. You can't wait until Sunday morning and open your purse and say, what's in there? Yeah. You've got a purpose. Sometimes, y'all remember when we used to have change offerings? Everybody in the church would, you know, turn the purse upside down. Uh, those were so fun. I don't know why we did them, but I, I, I'm sure I'm, we did. And it wasn't for the money. But it's just like it worked something in us. Just shake it all out. Every penny, every dime, every nickel. It's, I, I have nothing going out of here.